This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 19, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and the MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New features for this year include dramatic 3D ballpark and player improvements, an all-new tournament mode, allowing for infinite combinations, all new scouting systems, significant AI adjustments based on the latest trends, and so much more. Even better, if you order now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to OOTP Developments and clicking on the order banner. Just enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout. Once again, just go to OOTPDevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout for a special discount that helps support the Sleeper in the Bust. Thanks. Welcome to episode 603 of The Sleeper and the Bust. I am Justin Mason, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing? Uh, not bad. A year older, um, and I survived Jeez. the birthday weekend, so it was not too shabby. Happy birthday. Um, thank you. Yeah, uh, I get to I get to share my birthday with Mike Petriello and, uh, and Jonah Carey and Seth Trackman, so I'm like, as far as the baseball realm, I'm like way down there. It's like, oh, hey, I got a birthday. Oh, yeah, these other two dudes are out there too so yeah but it's uh it's when i have uh, a cousin who also has my birthday and then another uh, ucf friend so it's a it seems like a very popular day um but i have a travel story oh i was gonna say i was like i, I don't share a birthday with anybody except for my twin brother so <laughs> <laughs> who, who, who's not nearly as interesting as i am but yes travel story travel story so uh i i, I tried to budget airline for the first time and so i wanted to go so I was supposed to go to Phoenix this week, and it got, a trip got canceled at the last minute. Uh, so I didn't have to go to Phoenix. So then that freed me up to go to Orlando for the UCF game against Florida Atlantic on Friday night. Because I love night football games down there. They're awesome. The crowd was sold out. It looked amazing. And they won by 21 points, um, thanks to a late garbage touchdown that made it a 21-point game instead of 28. But I digress. Uh, the uh, So I, it's a seven and a half hour drive if i'm pushing it uh from charlotte to orlando so i'm looking around and and lo and behold spirit airlines has a a, a round trip ticket for 104 dollars going out of greensboro which is about an hour 40 from my house so i'm like you know what i'm doing this i've never flown them i haven't heard great things but they're new to the market i check out their flight schedules everything's on time the whole week everything every single flight since i came to the market has left on time I'm like, all right, doable. Even if they're half an hour late, it still gets me in Orlando at five o'clock. I'm good. So Friday, you know, I, I get the half day done, and then I'm taking a phone call uh, in the car, and I'm driving out to Greensboro. Get stuck in some traffic, and then I get this email alert where I'm in dead standstill traffic on I-85, which you know, dead standstill traffic in the middle of the day on a national interstate still pisses me off. That my flight is now four and a half hours delayed, and I'm not going to arrive until 9.30 p.m. And I'm like, yeah, that's going to put me there about the fourth quarter. That's not good. So I find, I find that exit, get off, and I'm looking everywhere for flights. And I the only thing, I can't find anything out of Raleigh or Greensboro that's under, that's reasonable, right? 
Because I got at least Spirit was cool enough. I've never flown them before. Maybe they knew I was a travel wizard. I called them. They gave me my money back for the flight for the first one. Because I said, look, if I can find a different outbound flight, can I keep my inbound reservation? They were like, yes. So then I realized I'm near Concord Airport, which is northeast Charlotte near the raceway. And that's where Allegiant flies, the other budget airline. They had one seat left, a middle seat, and it was 170 And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and do this because I just got $87 back that I've already spent out. So, you know, I, I want to go to this game. It's my birthday. Damn it. I'm going. So I, get, I fly there. On, on Allegiant, get to the Sanford Airport, which is northeast Orlando, and I get to the game. I'm at the tailgate by 5 o'clock, golden. And then I flew Spirit home yesterday, finally got on the first time. I liked it. I mean, yes, you've got to pay to have a carry-on bag, and you've got to buy food. But I had the exit row to myself. I spent 18 bucks or 20 bucks for an exit row seat. I had nobody else in there. So I sat sideways, made sure my feet stayed on the ground. I don't want to be on passenger shaming, but I sat sideways. My feet were on the seat, and I took a nap. And I slept on that plane because I tailgated really hard on Friday. And I had fun at the game, and I was not feeling good yesterday. So, uh, but then my lovely wife had to come pick me up from the Greensboro area. I took a lift to about Lexington and had some great barbecue while I was waiting. Uh, and then she picked me up and brought me home. Uh, so that's how the travel uh, – I, I, I tried the budget airlines – um, they both worked out, wasn't convenient, but it worked. Um, and now that spirits flying into both Asheville and, uh, and Greensboro, uh, I may have to exercise them a little more often when I have these whims to go to games, especially if they're $52 round trips to Orlando. Yeah. I'm going to have to have you do all my travel booking. Like when I, when I come out to outdoors, uh, in March, I'm going to have you do my itinerary for me. Cause I, I seem to make all the easy mistakes like I would never have thought to actually look up previous flights <laughs> to see if they were on time or or or, uh, or late or anything like that. So, um, well, well I never like flying days. anywhere on game day. I don't ever like flying anywhere. And same thing about draft day. Like I always go to Tout Wars a day early. Always schedule it because I don't want to have like even if I'm the afternoon draft, there's not a chance you would have me flying up with the draft, day of draft. I'm just paranoid like that. But this, so I couldn't leave. Hey, I did, my birthday was the 20th. I didn't want to leave on Thursday and be away from the family. So, okay, I'm flying out the 21st. You know, this is a cheap direct flight. But so I've got some – this was the first time that I've flown out on a game day because of, pre, of hearing the previous horror stories. And thankfully, I was able to find a way around that horror story because at the time I got that notification, there was no way I could have driven it. Dri driving would have had me there at 8 o'clock. And I'm like, I would have just turned around and gone home. Yeah. Uh, I hate flying, so it's something that's funny that, uh, I mean, I, I've flown a ton in my life. My mom worked for the airlines. Uh, I was in the Army and jumped out of planes and helicopters, uh, and then I got sober uh, a long time ago and all of a sudden developed this fear of flying. So uh, I can't stand flying, even though I've probably been on hundreds upon hundreds of flights. So a good friend of mine from high school, uh, he was in, he was a paratrooper. And so he and I, uh, one of our other best friends was getting married in New Jersey. And I, at that time I was, we were living in Orlando. And so we were going to fly to, we were flying to Newark and we had a US Air, I think, because uh, we stopped here in Charlotte of all places. And we connected in Charlotte. Our flight from Orlando to Charlotte was bad. I mean, he and I were sitting next to each other in the plane and he's like, dude, I had worse flights. I'd never had a flight this bad in the army. And I was shot down twice. Uh, it was, we went straight. I mean, we had like a 6am flight. We got to the bar and our buddy calls us, Hey, did you make your connection? Yep. 
what you doing? Drinking? He's like, it's 7.30. We're like, so? Uh, you do, you weren't on the flight we were on. But when a paratrooper tells you this commercial flight was the worst thing he's ever been on, that scares you. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what it is. It's just, it's it totally freaks me out. All right, baseball. I'm sure everybody's still listening. So I'm like, oh, my God, enough of this already. What, you don't Talk think they like se- seven minutes of, uh, <laughs> of travel stories? <laughs> All right, so let's let's talk about some baseball. When I talked to Paul last week, uh, we talked about guys who we thought had some crazy ADPs or, or at least some shocking ADPs uh, in the two early mocks. And so I wanted to talk about some more guys that have uh, large splits between their high pick and their low pick. Uh, in the two early mocks. So these are guys that obviously coming in or leaving this season uh, and going into next season are polarizing within the industry. So uh, let's start with a guy who had the largest uh, gap between his highest pick and his lowest pick, uh, and that's Billy Hamilton. He went as early as the 80th pick overall and as late as the 170th pick overall. So where are you at on Billy Hamilton as we leave 2018 and head uh, start looking into 2019? Hey, can I ask where these ADPs are coming from too? They're from they're all from my two early mock drafts. All right, just the two drafts. All right, I just want to make sure there no, wasn't no, there, more there, than that. There's nine drafts. Okay. All right. So uh, I'll, I'll share the doc with you real quick. Thanks. In our there's chat. no way. All right. There's no way. I I I can't I can't see taking Hamilton that high. I mean, when we look at stolen bases, I tweeted something out this morning. It, when you look at stolen bases this decade and the number of guys that are stealing 20-plus bases, it's just not happening as much anymore. Uh, you know, When we look at back at 2011, there were 50 guys that stole that many bases uh, in that season. So here, here are the year-by-year numbers. Players with 20 or more steals. Doesn't matter how many, time, how many at-bats, right? Just zero, zero PA qualified. So we have 2011, 50, 2012, 48, 2013 was that first year we saw that big drop, the 40. Then 2014, we have 39, 2015, 30, 2016, 28, last year, 29, this year, 27. Um, there have only been two guys that have been on that list in each one of those years. That's D. Gordon and Rajai Davis. Uh, Jose Altuve needs three more to get there. Uh, Gerard Dyson needs four more. And Jacoby Ellsbury needs 20 more uh, to get there. And that's that's where that's at. So, so there, there's some consistency uh, into that point where, you know, if you want Raja, if you're looking for steals, Raja Davis every year feels like he's just underdrafted because he doesn't play, but he gets you steals. And if you're drafting Billy Hamilton at that point, at this point, that's kind of why you have him is for steals because there's nothing else there. Uh, and that's kind of where that's where I am with him. I, I, I would be towards that low end. Uh, on him because there are safer steals. There's only 30 guys stealing 20 plus bags. Give me the ones that do other things that just uh, that just run. If you're going to give me somebody who just run, give me give me somebody who doesn't really hurt me by playing a ton and not doing a ton. I would rather have a part time Dyson that's going to steal me 20, 25 bags than a full time Hamilton that's stealing me 30 and just dragging down batting average. Yeah, he he's only gone in uh, apparently in two of the drafts as far. So he's only gone he's gone 80th in League Five and uh, 170th in League One. Uh, and for context, uh, that mean he's going to probably go towards the later end of that ADP in most of the drafts. League Three and League Two are both past uh, pick uh, 150. League Three is actually past pick 182. It appears. 
Um, league f and then uh, League Four is past 130. League Six past 150. So it looks like the 80 is going to be the outlier, and we're going to be looking at him as a guy who's going outside of the top 150. Uh, for all uh, <laughs> for for clarity and uh, um, full disclosure, uh, I took him 80th. Um, and I definitely regret that for shame for that pick. Um, I was thinking, man, I'm, I'm getting a four round discount on a guy who, uh, has the possible or the chance to steal 50, 60 bases. Um, I, I, did you own him this year? Did you I own did. Him this? Cause and, I did. I, I did. And you know, part of the issue was, um, I really pushed part of my issues this year was I really pushed speed up and, and it really paid for it because, you know, I paired a lot of Billy Hamilton shares with a lot of D Gordon shares Ooh. and didn't get anything that I was looking for, you know, cause D Gordon didn't hit 300, um, like he was supposed to, uh, he didn't steal a ton of bases though. I mean, he, you know, stole a fair amount, especially considering he missed time. Um, but Hamilton really hurt me. Uh, really both of those guys kind of killed me in the average department because, you know, one was supposed to offset the other. And when that didn't happen, uh, it, it left me in a world of hurt. So uh, obviously I need to readjust my thinking in terms of where I'm willing to take Billy Hamilton, because it appears he is going to likely go outside of the top 150 coming into draft season next year, which I think is a steal. I mean, see, I, I see my thing is I paired and, uh, in the uh, Invitational, I paired Aaron Judge and Billy Hamilton together. That was my back-to-back -back draft picks. I think it was the third and fourth round, fourth and fifth round. I know they were both of them in my top five. Yeah, and I mean... I that... don't know if it was back-to-back. -back. I forgot exactly my results, but then I ended up trading Hamilton to Sammy, I think. Mm, yeah, and I forgot, I forgot who I got him for. Maybe it was Familia at that point. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing that kills me in that league because my pitching's been incredible. Is my offense that has sucked? And Billy Hamilton, <laughs> you're part of the problem. But I was looking at when I was looking at my uh, the standings the other day, or perhaps I'm confusing. Uh, when I look at the the pitching standings, uh, unless I was confusing, uh, yeah, my offense bottom, bottom, bottom pitching. I'm third in wins. I'm second in ERA. Uh, I'm second in strikeouts. I'm second in ERA. I'm towards the bottom in saves, and I'm third in, in whip, which has been my story in all of my leagues. Pitching has been amazing, and hitting has sucked. <laughs> it's because I have German Mar Herman Marquez in all of my leagues. Thank you. Uh, I, that, that's, been one of the, that's been one of the bright spots. But, yeah, it's, it's just the strategy worked. I, you know, I, I don't chase saves, so it's fine. But the offense has to come through. And, and despite the fact that I drafted Billy Hamilton – I am 14th in steals. Yeah. Well, and then that's, that's the problem with a guy like Billy Hamilton is if he's a one category producer, he better produce that in that one category better than everybody else. And that's right. Obviously this year he didn't, I'm, I'm willing to take the shot on him if he's going to be going that low. Obviously I was willing to take him as high as 80th. Um, you know, I'll have, like I said, have to readjust my, my thinking, uh, to uh, to align a little bit more with where he's actually going to be going, but uh, I I mean the upside is huge. We've all seen it. Uh, we've seen him go, you know, as high as you know the third round in previous drafts because of the upside so huge. So if I'm getting him outside the uh, top 150, I'm gonna have a lot of shares again of Billy Hamilton.
Works for Hawkeye. Let's let's talk about Eduardo Rodriguez, another guy who huge split within uh within these mocks. Uh, he was gone as early as the ninety third pick and as late as the hundred and eighty second pick. Uh, where are you at on Eduardo Rodriguez? It's honestly, it's health. That's all it comes down. The skills are there. I and mean, he's a guy that I really liked in the preseason. I said he was going to out-earn Porcello and Pomeranz, and he's done that with Porcel- with Pomeranz. I think it's neck and neck with Porcello at this point. Porcello just has so many wins. Yeah, uh, and Rodriguez missed time again this year, and that's what it's come down to. He just can't stay on the bump. Uh, the skills have been fine. We see the, the year-after-year growth. It's one of the reasons... Uh, you know, when we look back at the bold predictions that I made, uh, he was one of the guys that I was really high on because he did uh, some of the numbers that he was putting up when he pitched, put him in some in some very nice company. And that's that's what I was trying to look at is like, OK, where can you find where can you find value and who's putting up skills and limited playing time? And, and the numbers really stood out for him. And I want to look back, you know, take a look back after the season's over to see where he finishes in that in that regard. But when I took a look at him last year, I said he was going to miss a third of the season and still out-earn Porcello and Pomeranz. When I looked at his swinging strike and his strikeout minus walk ratio and his strikeout ratio, I mean, he was in some nice company uh, where, where his list was. Uh, you know, when I'm looking at some of the other names around him, like he had a 12% swinging strike rate, a 17% strikeout minus walk rate, uh, and a 26% strikeout rate. I mean, that put him that put him in the same kind of company at, you know, near Chris Archer, near Carlos Carrasco. Now, if, you know, if people were drafting Chris Archer where they were this year, and they could have picked up Eduardo Rodriguez a lot later, and you look at where those two are dollar value-wise this year, uh, it's worked out. So he was keep, keeping some nice company uh, as far as those rates, but it's just a matter of how how much he can stay on the mound. And that's really what I can see somebody taking him 93 because you're like, yeah, these skills are there. This is going to be the year he he stays healthy and avoids the injuries. And then you see somebody at 182 saying, thank you for the gift. I'll take these skills down here because I know he's not going to pitch 160 innings, but I love these skills. I don't think he's a top 100 pitcher, but he's an incredible bargain at 182. Oh, I mean, it's an interesting split because, like I said, 182 is as late as he's gone. 93. the The majority of the rest of the drafts have him around pick one between 130 and 150, which I think is fair. And I've really got to kind of dig into the numbers a little bit more because, you know, part of me wonders if the missed time isn't going to be as impactful in someone's overall value because of the way teams are handling starting pitchers and with the additions of the openers uh, and the way things are going that, or if it's more impactful um, because there's just not as many innings out there to get. So uh, it's definitely something I'll be kind of examining in the offseason because I agree with you. I don't think this is a guy who's ever really going to throw 160 innings. Maybe he'll put together a season or two of that. But I think he, his injury history is just so prevalent, especially being, you know, seeming like a, he's got this reoccurring knee issue uh, that, you know, pops up every year. Uh, doesn't give me a lot of faith that he's ever going to be able to stay on, on the mound for 200 innings, much less, you know, 160. So uh, I think I would be okay with him in the one – Let's see. Right now, his his ADP is one thirty three point three. Uh, pitchers going around his area: uh, Andrew Heaney, 
um, Rick Porcello, uh, Ross Stripling going behind him. I think I would rather have Stripling. I'd rather have uh, Heaney, uh, Nick Pavetta going about uh, 15 picks behind him. Guys going in front of him, you Darvish, Miles uh, Michaelis, um, and Chris Archer, who we'll talk about in a minute, uh, and Kyle Hendricks. Hmm. So I think I would probably, of those names, I would probably take Heaney over him. I would probably take, I, I would definitely take Stripling over him. I think Mike, I'd probably take Michaelis over him. I think I'd take Darvish, but I think I'm going to take him over Archer and over Hendricks, but I just hate Hendricks. Yeah, I came into the season hating Hendricks too. I as a fan, as, I mean, as a fantasy guy, as a pitcher, I love watching him pitch. Sure. Um, it's just as just the fantasy side of things where I keep thinking that all right, this this is the year that the ratios are going to fall apart, and he just keep. I mean, he it just reminds me of he's he's doing this Jeremy Hellickson thing is where is what I see his numbers going, and you know of the names you rattled off, I think he's going to be my lowest uh, fantasy choice through that um, because of that, of that, that Helixson like track I see um, in his numbers. Um, but that, that said, I still like watching him pitch. And at one point I loved watching Helixson pitch. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk about another guy who uh, was polarizing coming into the season. And it appears after the season he's had, he's going to be just as polarizing, if not even more polarizing. That's Jonathan scope. He's got a, Pick uh, a a is going as early as pick seventy four, and as late as pick one sixty three. So where are you at on Jonathan Scope? All right, so there is part of the this year's last year's trash, this year's treasure means something. There has to be something. You got to find something in in last year to make you believe in this year, and that's where I struggle. That's where I struggle to see. Where where scope is because I did not like him at all coming into the season. He was in my I, I said he was going to finish outside the top 100 and his ADP when I when I made that prediction was 63. So for me to knock him out of the top 100 on February 28th was pretty big. I mean when we look at uh, we look at the, the I was looking at Statcast data and and one of the things I noticed he's had this three year trend from 15 to 17. The average distance on his batted balls. They'd gone from 186 to 169. The exit below had dropped two miles an hour. The the expected weighted weighted on base average was 40 points over his actual last year. And so I saw a lot of warning signs of it. Like you know what? No. And, and he had really dropped off his weighted on base average. It really plummeted in the second half of the season. And it's pretty much stayed there. I mean, the the hard contact for the most part has not been present this year. And that's that's where it comes down. You can't blame anything else. He's played in two of the best ballparks for power, and he's not he's just not doing it uh, to the to the rate where you can justify. Okay, he is a top seventy five player, and I'm going to take him there. I I personally don't see I don't see anything that justifies him in the top one hundred. Yeah, I, I I don't either. I I think he and uh, if you look at his ADP, it's currently one twenty five. Uh, which, you know, it almost feels like an auto draft. And there were there were some <laughs> auto drafts. Uh, he was auto drafted at one fifty five, uh, and he's been taken in. It looks like five of the 
five of the nine drafts, and the other ones he hasn't um, have you know gotten to pick 160, gotten to pick 140, gotten to pick 150, uh, you know, in, th- in three of those four drafts, and the other one has just kind of started. So uh, it looks like his ADP is actually going to be dropping kind of below that 140, 150 mark. And I think that, for me, is enough to take a gamble on him. But it's it's really dependent on what my team looks like because the the biggest part about him, the power I think you know will be good enough. You know I think he's a twenty to twenty five home run bat, no matter what park he's in. Um, my question is, does he hit for average? Because he hit two ninety three last year, two ninety eight the year before. Or I'm sorry, sorry, 293, 267, and then 279 in the last three seasons. This year drops all the way down to 232, and I feel like 240, 240, 250 is kind of his real-life power, or real-life uh, average. So uh, I have a hard time, depending on how I'm constructing my team, wanting to take a guy who is going to hit maybe hit me 20 home runs, but isn't going to do much more than that. Uh, and depending on where he ends up next season, it could be a worse power environment for him. I think I'm probably going to be out on Scope, and Scope's a guy I've liked for a really long time. I uh, Two years ago I was there, but again, I saw the warning signs, and I haven't seen anything this year that makes me think, okay, it's it's he'll get back to where he was. Um, no, I, he's, he's on my fade list. Yeah. One of the things that really worries me is the amount of swinging miss outside the zone that he's had this year always yeah it's, it's <laughs> but i mean it, always but it's it's gone up too i mean he, yeah his o swing percentage has gone up from 37 percent, which wasn't good to begin with to 43 percent this year he's like the john starks of baseball you know john starks <laughs> it was infamous for the two of 19 you just keep shooting until you hit him and with with scope it's like i'm just gonna keep swinging until i hit him and that's where and that's just what I've seen this year. He, he'll still punish a mistake. I mean, you don't run into 21 home runs accidentally, but that's that's it. And, and 21 home runs on a 220 batting average, isn't that difficult to find? 232, sorry. Isn't that difficult to find these days? Yeah, I mean, even even if he hit 250 with 20 home runs, that's not, that's not as special as it may have been three or four years ago. Right. All right, uh, let's talk about we're, we're going to start our Rays corner, and we'll, we'll start with an X-ray. Uh, and that, that's Chris Archer, the aforementioned Chris Archer, who's gone as early as pick seventy-four and as late as Why? pick one fifty-six. So obviously, I think you're going to be a little negative on Mister Archer. Uh, so tell me wh- where you would kind of uh, think about taking him. I'm not negative on the guy. I mean, he got he got me Austin Meadows and Tyler Glassdown and Shane Baz. I'm not glad. I'm not. I'm happy. Happy that trade happened. Uh, that said, I, I I don't get this. I mean, I thought getting out of the getting out of the AL East uh, because of the overexposure would, would would help things, and he hasn't been that much better with Pirates. Uh, and looking at it, I mean, you know Pittsburgh is going to change a pitcher. And one of the things, I mean, he's throwing a sinker now more than he ever did. He just basically didn't throw the pitch with Tampa Bay, and now he is because he's a Pittsburgh Pirate, and that's what they have to do. Uh, and the sliders looked a little better off it, but his fastball, when he has to pitch it, pitch with it, 
is not a great pitch. I mean, I, I'm curious to see how long they're going to stick with this because we saw with Glasnow, when he came to Tampa Bay, once they started letting him work up and down in the zone, uh, he got better uh, than he looked with, with Pittsburgh. And now with uh, with the Pirates, Archer has to is throwing the sinker more, and the changeup has gone away. Uh, the thing with Archer that has to change, and I, I, I saw it early, but I haven't noticed it of late is his his willingness to pitch inside that to me was ultimately his downfall with with tampa bay here recently as the struggles went down is everybody knew he wasn't going to throw inside Uh, if you're a lefty he's going to try to backdoor the slider and make the fastball run away from you and try to get it off the end of your bat um and and then if you were a righty it was going to be sliders low and away and it was going to be fastball up and down on the outer half of the plate uh and we've seen multiple years now uh, of him not pitching to his full abilities. And I, I haven't seen anything to make me want to draft him in the top 100 this year. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be much closer to the bottom part of that uh, ADP uh, or uh, of those picks. Uh, his current ADP right now, 126. And that to me seems insanely high for a guy that, has really struggled for a number of years and not put up uh, near the value of, of what his name value apparently is. And I think that's largely what this is, is people are looking at his name value and going, okay, it's still Chris Archer. And now he's in Pittsburgh with, with you know, the pitching coaches there and, and in PNC Park. Uh, and he's been okay in PNC Park, but he's been absolutely atrocious on the road in the National League. And, uh, I mean, since coming over to... Uh, the Pirates in that trade. He has a 4.86 ERA. He is striking out more than one inning, but he's giving up a homer and a half per nine. Uh, it's not been good. Like you said, it's just the the fastball is not it, the fastball's got negative value. So does the changeup. Uh, it's it, it it doesn't appear to be uh, good. Uh, uh, I mean, two rounds later, two rounds later, you could have your choice of of Stripling or Gossman, uh, you know, I'm taking both easily three rounds later, you could pick up glass. Now you could pick up Lance McCullers. If you think the arm is good, you can, if you still are an Alex Wood believer, you can grab him there. I'm just looking at the data that you have here. Uh, you know, those are, those are some of the names you could pick up rounds later, two yeah, to three rounds me, after where he's going. 40 picks later. Yeah. Or, or even Dallas Keuchel, you know, 30 picks later. I just yeah, yeah. Jay Hap forty fix later. Yeah, I just I think people are and don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I like Archer as a person and as a personality, and I hope he does figure it out because I think he's good for the game in general. But absolutely, at some point you have to fig, you have to actually look at the value you're getting from him and realize people are still overpaying for him. If we see. He's somebody that you want to watch in spring training, video-wise, not statistically, to see how he's pitching. If if you see some, oh wow, he's going to use the inner third of the plate, you know, look for something different because at this point of his career, the pitch, the pitch mixture is not going to change. It's still going to be fastball, slider, and a show me changeup. Um, it's just a matter of the pro- how he's if he's going to adjust anything else because if he's not, we're just going to keep going down this. This is an SP three. At this point, yeah, and I don't low know, SP. I, I, would, I wouldn't even feel comfortable with him as my third starting pitcher. I just, yeah, I mean, I just don't unless unless I see a, a massive change somewhere. Let's uh, let's talk about another Rays guy, and this guy's currently on the Rays, but it, it appears you don't think he may be 
super long. Malik Smith going as high as uh, pick 75 and as low as pick 154. Uh, what are your thoughts on Malik Smith? So I'm, I have a few thoughts. I've been impressed with his, with his, his improvement at the plate here in the second half of the season. He has stopped chasing, stopped trying to do more with pitches than his body is capable of doing. Um, you know, early on in the season, you could get him out with high fastballs because he thought he could chop him out and hit him out of the park. Uh, now he's been using all fields, uh, very well and not swing from his shoes all the time. Um, that, but he sucks in the field. I mean, if you looked at the meltdown the other night in the ninth inning, Kendris Morales hit a, a fly ball that Malik should have easily caught, and he took a batter out to it and let it drop. You're the center fielder. You're supposed to take charge um, when you're running towards the ball, and he let an outfielder that was backpedaling, that was running back to a spot, take charge. He's got it. it and that and on the base pass, there have been times where he tries to steal third base with a lefty up at the plate and two outs. You're like, what are you doing? That, that There's no baseball like Hugh in that play. Um, but I think it, it's getting crowded on the 40-man roster because you look at in the outfield, you got Tommy Pham, who, by the way, has been amazing since Cardinals gave up, gave him up for nothing. Um, you've got Smith. You've got Kiermaier. You've got Meadows. You've got Brandon Lau. You've got to find. You've got. He can play infield, outfield. You got Daniel Robertson who played some uh, left field. You got Joe McCarthy coming up uh, who should be on the forty man roster. You're going to have Christian Arroyo uh, who's already on the forty man roster. Who is? Uh, there's a lot of flexibility. I mean, Joey Wendell's played some left field. There's a lot of flexibility on the roster, and we, when you've got Fam and Kiermaier and Meadows, pretty much that's probably that's likely going to be your opening day outfield. Where do you what do you do with Smith? He's not a good defensive replacement. So yeah, to me, he seems like a logical candidate to be traded um, to somebody who's looking for looking for that element to their lineup. And I think I think it would behoove the team to trade him at this kind of value uh, because offensively, I mean, he's a I think a one twenty WRC plus guy uh, right now, uh, and try to move him at peak value. Uh, speed ages quicker <laughs> than some of the other things. And they've got these, you know, they've got Fan for two more seasons. They've got Kiermaier for a couple of more under control. You've got Meadows for another five years. Uh, it just doesn't seem like Smith is a good fit moving forward um, because of, of the way the roster is being constructed right now. Uh, so I, and my, I, I worry that him being traded somewhere else may impact how much he runs because right now he runs whatever he wants to. Um, even though he's been caught 11, 12 times last I looked. Um, and and the Rays really haven't taken the green line off him, despite some of this, uh, the things I mentioned. But I believe he's 34 or, 40, uh, 34 or 46 now. I always love it when the, when the page, I go to click Malik Smith, and it changes me to Brian Millette. No, it's not <laughs> what I chose. Oh, God, the search engine yeah. is garbage sometimes. <laughs> My... Uh... My my Apple has decided that it wants to continuously autocorrect Malix to mail. Now this, I type Malix and I go to hover over his name, and then it changes to Brian Millette underneath it as I'm clicking. Malix, stop! See, it did it again. Why, Malix? Why is Millette coming up when there's no X in Millette? Ah, all right, so. Yeah, 36 of 12, uh, 36 of 48. So that's a 67% rate. That's below the league average. Um, and 
that's where. So I think he's. I think he's a candidate to be traded. I think that's going to impact his value because for another team, he probably hits in the bottom of the lineup. This one, he's hitting high in the lineup. He has been better in terms of his stolen base efficiency in the second half uh, since August first. He's uh, he's only been caught four times in twenty two attempts. So it's right. It's it's been better, but I mean, I think you bring up an, a really interesting point: is they have a ton of pieces, and you you would assume that trading for a guy like Austin Meadows, you don't want him riding the bench. Um, and so you've got to figure out a way to get Meadows in there, you know, full-time. Uh, you've got a ton of other guys on this team that need to find at-bats. And, you know, right now, obviously, with with the, with, with September call-ups and, and the rosters expanding, you can have as many guys on your roster as you want. But when we get back to a 25-man at the beginning of next season, they may have to move him. And, if he does get moved, like you said, there's a real chance he's going to be on a team that's not going to let him run nearly as much. So it's definitely- or he hits, or he hits down in the lineup. I, I don't think he's. I, I'm not convinced he's a, a leadoff hitter. I mean, he's got to hit one, or he's got to hit lower in the lineup. That's it. And I don't. I'm not. I don't see enough of the plate discipline, despite I mean whatever on the on the nine percent walk rate. I don't see enough of the plate discipline when I watch him play to say, yep, that's an everyday leadoff hitter to me. He is for this club, but I don't know if he's that for another club. Yeah, and I think while steals are definitely something you want to target, I I don't want to necessarily overpay for them. And there are going to be guys who, like you mentioned, we were talking about Billy Hamilton, that always seem to fall in between the cracks. Uh, So I think if if his price is going off at, at pick, Currently, he's got an ADP in these uh, these drafts. He's been dra- and he's been drafted in seven of the nine leagues so far. His ADP is one thirteen. That, that's that's the same spot as Eloy Jimenez, uh, Michael Brantley, Jonathan VR, who I think I'd probably rather have, uh, even though you know who knows what his playing time situation is going to be like uh, in Baltimore next year. So um, I, I think I think I'm probably going to be out on Malik Smith's price. Yeah, uh, let's talk about another speedster uh, who is. You know, I didn't realize how big of a rebound Ahmed Rosario was having because uh, I've been kind of out on him. I, I've n- never been a huge fan of him. I always thought he was uh, going to be, uh, you know, a, a pretty good defensive player, and that would keep him in, you know, on the field. But I didn't think he would show as much power as he's. Uh, showing already and the speed has been uh well I knew the speed was there I didn't know that he would uh get on base enough early on in his career to really uh to really use it uh but so far this year uh in 147 games he has nine home runs 21 stolen bases hitting 260 297 391 uh he's gone as early as pick 100 and as late as 179 what are your thoughts on Ahmed Rosario? So getting back to the incremental growth thing, one of the things you'd like to see is some year-over-year improvement. And, you know, we're talking about a guy by the end of the season is going to have 750 major league plate appearances before his 23rd birthday. And 
that's always a big thing for me because 23-year-olds are typically in double-A and may not even have a single plate appearance at that age, and this kid's already got 750. Uh, and you look at year-over-year incremental rate, walk rate has come up. It's still low, but it's a lot better than what it was last year uh, in his first full season. And then he's, he's brought his strikeout rate way down. I mean, he was striking out a ton last year, 29%, now down to 20%. Uh, that's great. So the on-base percentage is still low, but again, he's young, physic- not as physically mature as everybody else uh, in that regard, but you can see incremental growth. And now we're talking about uh, a second full season coming up in that third year. Um, and my note is I would rather take him over Billy Hamilton. We're looking for speed because even in a season where Rosario has a 297 OBP, he's still swiped 21 bases. So if we project some kind, if we just do some lazy incremental growth, Last year, seven steals, 271 OBP. This year, 21 steals, 297 OBP. Let's give him another 20 points of on-base percentage and put him at 317 to 320. Maybe he gets 25, 30 steals. It's about where Hamilton is this year. And you have some offense because if we go keep going at the power, this could be a guy with 15 home runs and 25 steals next year with a better than league average batting average. Yeah, possible. And- so when I look at a hundred, I'm like, okay, because that's why I first got my attention was like, wow, he's at a hundred. And then I look at this, I'm like, you know what? If I'm drafting to what I think he could be, I can justify that 100 pick. Well, and he's top 20 in uh, sprint speed on the Statcast leaderboard. Um, so I mean, he's obviously fast. Uh, I think he's been a bit unlucky. Uh, in his bat in the BABIP department, I know he's showing a 311 BABIP, and some people just look at that. Well, he hasn't been unlucky. He's got a 311 BABIP. A guy with his speed should have a higher BABIP, and he had yeah. higher BABIPs throughout the minor leagues. In in AAA, he had a 377 BABIP. That's uh, Las Vegas, though. Yeah, but in AA, he had a 433. Single A, he had uh, 345. This is a guy who probably should have a 330 BABIP, and did, and that's what he had last year. You add that to the the improvements in the plate approach, though. I mean, they're minor improvements, but anything considering what he was putting up in the major league sample last year is an improvement and a huge improvement in his contact rate. I, like, there's no reason this guy can't be uh, Jose Peraza esque. Yeah, I mean, Jose Peraza was going higher than 100 when everybody was was on him. Yeah, I, I think this is. Um, a guy that may be a tad bit overlooked uh, coming into drafts. I, I, I think the pick 100 may feel a little bit high for me, but I don't think it's uh, outrageous by any stretch of the imagination. Currently, his ADP is 140, uh, so that 100 is kind of seeming like a, a little bit of an outlier because in one, two, three, Three of the seven drafts he's gone, he's gone after pick 150. Uh, so I think he'll probably settle in around that 140, 150 range. And I think that's a pretty nice value for a guy like Rosario. I agree. And I, I even said earlier on Twitter that I didn't think I'd have any shares of uh, him next year just because I thought he'd be going higher. But the more I dig into him, the more I think – he is. He's a he's a cheap option that can get you those stolen bases. I mean, twenty one stolen bases this year in in you know just under six hundred plate appearances. I don't see any reason why he couldn't bump that up a little bit. And we're looking at a guy who's hitting you ten home runs and twenty five to thirty stolen bases next season. If he can maintain that two sixty average, uh, I think that's a pretty good uh, pretty good player. 
especially at the shortstop. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a it's a safer option than your Billy Hamilton pick earlier. Yeah, for sure. And and one of the things I like about him too is, you know, it's the whole Matt Chapman uh, thing that I talked about in the preseason. Is his defense is good enough? It's going to keep him on the field. Yes. So even if he struggles, they'll they'll still be, uh, he'll still be getting virtually everyday plate appearances. All right, let's talk about Charlie Morton, and this is an interesting one largely because we don't know where Charlie Morton's going to be next year. I'm pretty sure he's a free agent coming in to the season. Uh, he's gone as early as pick 49 and as late as pick 127. Where are you at on Charlie Morton? 49 seems super aggressive. I mean, very, to very me, <laughs> I mean, to me, we're talking about back-to-back consistent, consistent performance, and there's value in consistency. Which I, you know, a lot of times we're always chasing upside, but the fact that Morton's put back-to-back consistent productive seasons, there's value in that. Now, is there enough value to go that high? No. I mean, yes, he he, he pitches for a team that scores a lot of runs and and 14 wins last year, 15 so far this year, with a shot at another one before the season's out. Um, but we're still talking about a guy who is who has not made a, a he hasn't pitched 170 innings since 2011. Um, and that to me is what I'm going to get there I'm a this lot year, closer. Though. Well, maybe, maybe, not. well, maybe. if he only has one more start, he may yeah. fall just short, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> he, I mean, he may fall, he may fall just short. Uh, and, and so, you know, for me, I don't know where the upside is. I mean, what you're saying 49, you're saying there's another level to him. Now I, that I don't see. And one of the other things that stands out with, with Morton is, you know, people may look at and say, okay, there's an 80% left on base average and a 283 against a career 307 and 70%. So this has got to change. Well, then you go look at StatCast, you go look at the batted ball data, and he's pitching exactly how he should. I mean, there's zero difference between his uh, expected weighted on base average and his weighted on base average. So he has pitched to is pitched exactly how he should. There's no luck or, or unluck in that regard. Um, so I think some folks may just be building in and saying, "Oh, there's a half a run difference between his ERA and his FIP." So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna fade him out. Yeah, and some of the projection systems may do the same, but he's still gonna get his wins. He's still gonna get his strikeouts. He's still gonna give up home runs because of the park he, he faces in. Uh, and but Ground Chuck is is not the heaviest ground ball pitcher that he used to be, but he still gets a fair amount of them on the ground. Uh, and so for the consistency, I am fine with taking him towards the back end of the first 100. But he is not a top fifty pitcher. Yeah, and that, that's a uh, top fifty player. Sorry, at yeah. forty nine overall, that is extremely aggressive. And and that is definitely the outlier. I mean, he's got an ADP right now of eighty eight. Uh, so the majority of people were taking him uh, towards the back end of the top one hundred, uh, with one twenty seven kind of being a little bit of an outlier as well. I have major concerns with Morton. One, obviously, like you've mentioned, is health. Two is I have no idea where he's going to play. This is the last year of his deal with the uh, with the Astros. He's going to be 35 years old. In if he's smart, he he signs whatever contract they put in front of him. Oh, for sure. But I mean, who knows if they even want to give him anything, considering what the depth they have in that rotation. Now, considering they've, uh, you know, they're who knows what's going to happen with McCullers. Uh, maybe they want to keep Brad Peacock yeah, in the bullpen long term. Uh, you know, not all the guys in their minor leagues have panned out well. And, you know, Whitley's, you know, dealt with suspension and injuries. Um, so maybe they do decide that, hey, we'll, we'll give the 35-year-old one a, a one-year deal and uh, to come back and try to win a third World Series in a row. 
Um, but, I, you know, even if he ends back in Houston, there's still a lot of questions in terms of his health, his age. Uh, and I just, the guy's going around him. I mean, we're talking about it, an ADP of pick 88. He's going virtually at the exact same spot as Jamison Tyon. He's going ahead of Jose Barrios. Uh, you know, I... so can we look at the starting pitchers that are free agents this year? Uh, so I've got, a I've got got a... Corbin. Yeah, I've got a list here. Okay, uh, we've got Bumgarner. If the Giants don't exercise the option, they're exercising got that option. Buckholz, Cahill, Carrasco. If the Indians don't, which they are, um, Corbin, Estrada, Eovaldi, Jaime Garcia, Gio Gonzalez. You know, uh, Hamels. He. Could Cole get <laughs> Jay Happ, Jay Happ's thirty six years old already. Uh, you know, Matt Harvey at thirty, Holland at thirty two, um, Keuchel at thirty one. Yeah, there's he could get paid. I mean, when we talk about yeah, older pitchers, but a lot of these dudes are. What did Rich Hill just get? Didn't Rich Hill just get like a four forty eight? Right? Yeah, something like that. Three forty two. Yeah, it was. I think yeah, three. 335, I want to say. I'm, I'm looking up right now. Th- oh, 348. Jesus Christ. There we go. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot. The guy who was 37 at the time. Yeah. Starting pitchers get paid. And, um, yeah, even in this class, I, I just don't know. I mean, he, he'd probably get – Morton could get same kind of deal. Yeah. Which is better than the 214 he's just coming off of. And, and, and the Astros aren't going to give him that. So, He's going to probably more than likely be on another team. Injury risk with him, age risk with him. Uh, I mean, I, I, the skills are great, but ultimately... Go uh, sign him, Oakland. you got the money. Do it. They're not going to do that either. Well, maybe. They, oh, everybody knows. else in their staff is hurt. Why not? <laughs> All right, let's, let's move on to a podcast favorite, but not necessarily because of you or me, uh, but because the other guy who's on this podcast. That's Luis Ooh. Castillo. Um, and he is... Uh, in some some of these drafts, there is no discount whatsoever for the atrocious start to the season, and then there is a big discount in other leagues. He's gone as early as pick eighty nine and as late as pick one sixty three. Where are you at on Luis Castillo? He still pitches for Cincinnati, though. I mean, yes, he's been great. I, I looked at you know since just after Father's Day when he stopped giving out all the home runs that he was giving up. He had a 293 ERA, 105 whip, 19% strikeout minus walk rate, which is not great. It's really good, but it's not elite. That's where he's been, and he has five wins to show for it. That's, you know, if, if this was a quality start league, fine. I'm taking him right where everybody else is. But that's where that's where I, I keep falling back to is he pitches that well, and all he has is five wins to show for it. That sucks. <laughs> July, August, September was three months. That's two wins a month. That's that hurts. I can't pay. I can't pay full freight for. I, I cannot pay the the high end eighty nine for a guy that still pitches for a crappy club. He just gets crushed with a long ball at home. I mean, it's. It, I hate to say it, but I mean, it's just he's still since August first. He still has. He's still giving up a homer and a half per nine. Um, and I know that like. Paul, Paul's already said he's he's gonna he's gonna dip back in and uh, and go for it again, considering what he's done in in the second half, and he has looked great, uh, you know, at times. And, and the fastball has had more life on it, uh, which I think is what was largely what was missing. So I think I mean right. there was obviously a mechanical issue. I think he's getting a little bit more downward plane, 
uh, now and, and getting a little bit more movement on uh, on the fastball. Uh, and, and, the, and, the, and the scores are, are kind of bearing that out a little bit. At the same time, I, there's, I, I don't think he's ever going to be a super consistent guy. Um, now, does he need to be necessarily? I, I don't know. I mean, you're not having to draft him necessarily as an ace anymore. But, I mean, in some leagues, like I said, he's, I mean, going as high as pick 89, that's, that's insane. It's, all right, so during the streak... If I look at how many times, and some of this is because he has to pitch in the National League, but he's only thrown seven innings or more twice in the 15 starts since June 27th. He only has nine or more strikeouts in four of those. You know, so it's like if you're drafting somebody that you're you're looking, I think people are, are trying to draft the pristine version of him. And when you watch him pitch, you're like, okay, sweet. You know, when you watch him throw, go almost shut out the Marlins the other um uh, two days ago, you're like, okay, yeah, that was good. Or you watch him just mow through the Cardinals as he did on September 1st. Okay, that was cool. Uh, or shut down the Dodgers. I mean, he's pitching really well in September for the most part. But, you know, for for, for this ADP, he still pitches for a, a, a third division ball club, let alone a second division. I mean, this, the, the Reds just aren't good. And and this is really, really where it hurts him. And I... I just can't do it. I can't draft him in the top 100. Well, he, he's not quite going to the top 100 in terms of his ADP. He's 119. It's still pretty high. Um, All right, but looking behind him. Would you so, rather have him or Tanaka? Push. Would you rather have him or uh, Michaelis? Michaelis. Him or Newcomb? Him. Uh, let's see. I, I'm agreeing with you on all of these so far. Uh, him or Stripling? It comes back down and, and Stripling, and then it comes down to Rod, you know Rodriguez is, is st- sitting there mm-hmm. uh, 20 picks later. That's where that's kind of where I am uh, with with that. I just I need upside, uh, and Castillo he's going to be limited by where he pitches by who he pitches for and where he pitches half the time. Well, how about another guy who's pitch who's limited by who he pitches for and where he pitches? Uh, him or John Gray? Uh, Castillo. Okay, I think I would lean Gray there. So, all right, uh, let's uh, let's move on. Talk about a guy who I actually really like, uh, but the, <laughs> the the early pick on his ADP makes me a little bit skeptical of whether or not I'm going to get a lot of shares of Jamison Tyon. Uh, he's gone his earliest pick. 52 as late as pick 123 where are you at on Tyon? not pick 52 that's mm-hmm. wow that, i mean that, getting, yeah, that's bold getting back to my other theory you know, the incremental growth is what you want to see and we've seen it from you know the walk rate came down uh it wasn't it wasn't allowing part of the problem in 17 was walking extra guys and giving up the three-run homer instead of the two-run homer or the two-run homer instead of the, the solo shot yeah, those types of things happen. So we've seen the incremental growth around all the the variety of health problems that he's had. Uh, so I like him, um, and but I don't like him here. Uh, I where's where's he uh, in in regards to Castillo? Because I would also take Tyon over Castillo. He is going about forty picks on average above or about thirty picks on average above Castillo. His okay, so I'm clearly not alone. Yeah, he's. he's <laughs> His ADP is eighty-seven point eight right now, so okay. he's he's largely gone just 
just outside or or right inside of the top 90. Yeah, so I see Morton, I see Barrios, I see Fultonevich, I see Quintana. I think that's the right spot for him. Um, yeah, I, I don't see – I'm looking behind Barrios saying, are, who would I rather have? I think him and oh. Barrios for me are kind of a toss-up. Yeah, I see a t- two-round difference between his ADP and Marquez's. And the way Marquez is closing the season, uh, I'm surprised there's that much of a gap and that Marquez is not in the top one. I mean, he is just blowing through guys here in the second half. I was actually surprised with how high Marquez's ADP is considering he's a Coors pitcher. And, I mean, he's looked great, and uh, you you were on him before the start of the season, I believe, and I, I was a convert uh, early in the season, uh, largely because of, of your love for him and, and then going and watching him. Uh, and he's kind of put it all together, but there is still Coors, and I think that will – um, that will scare people away. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if by the time we get to draft season, if Marquez is going outside the top 150. I'll be buying up every single share I can. I will be too. If that's my favorite thing, I love comments. I don't always read comments, but I love the. So I wrote an article at RotoWire on August 17th that talked about Marquez, um, you know, being uh, somebody you could draft in a 12 team mixed. As I said, in short, Marquez has done the impossible this year and to date has turned a profit in standard mixed league formats. As a starting pitcher in Colorado, he's shown growth in season, altering his picks next year. Um, you know, don't don't make the automatic move to avoid all Rocky starters in mixed league in 2019 because this one's showing signs of improving. And somebody left a comment. It was like, yeah, very nice, but no thanks. <laughs> all right. All right. And this was so I'm like, I'm really hoping this guy wasn't in uh, this guy or gal was not in, uh, a, you know, in a home stretch. League because since that article has run, uh, I just want to get the exact numbers so I can really highlight the awesomeness. Come on, player page. Uh, let's see, go back a date. Uh, let's come to here. Since that article has run, Herman Marquez has made uh, seven starts, three wins, uh, 11.8 strikeout rate with a 2.22 ERA. And oh, by the way, three of those starts have come at home. Yeah, I, I love things like that. If you really want to enjoy that, go 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 uh, do a chat over on Fangraphs because. Uh, <laughs> oh, and he struck out eleven or more in five and four of those seven outings. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is that kind of thing? Is this like you got to try to find end season value where you're trying to do things towards the end? And and this guy has just been killing it. I mean, 13, 11, 11, Then he hit that four strikeout against the Giants, and eleven again on Friday night against the uh, against Arizona. Well, and he struck out 11 against Arizona in both outings. He, he, backed, he, he faced him on the 10th and the 21st, almost identical line scores. So uh, let's let's talk about uh, the last guy. That's Joey Gallo. Uh, Gallo is, uh, again, another polarizing guy. Uh, you know, kind of fits into what I like to do in terms of strategies, uh, in terms of kind of punting batting average or at least devaluing it. Uh, he's gone as early as 58th overall and as late as 129. Where are you at on Joey Gallo? All right, so uh, maybe like the maybe like the Billy Hamilton version of power. So if I look through, I, I look through and said, okay, show me all the guys this season that have at least thirty homers, at least eighty runs driven in, at least eighty runs scored. There are fifteen such players of which Gallo is in there. Gallo's batting average is thirty five points lower than anybody else in that group. Somebody's at two forty five, and he's at two ten as the season as the season started. Uh, 
245, Bryce Harper. <laughs> uh, so he's 35 points below everybody else in that system. And then I look at earned dollar values this year, and Gallo is at $18. He's $4 below anybody else in that group. Uh, so paying up the high end of that, that's risky because of the batting average. If it doesn't come up, he's got he has to just be phenomenal in the other areas, and he hasn't been that much of a differentiator. I mean, that's where the batting average pull that's the batting average pull down is his, his dollar value is four dollars below the next guy, and it's eight dollars below the next guy in that list. I mean, that when I go down that list of the 30, 80, 80 club. It's Gallo at 18. Now, these are 12-team mixed league values. Hoskins, 22. Stanton, 26. Goldschmidt, 29. Harper, 29. And that's the, that's worth 35 points of batting average. Makes a huge difference. Harper is still worth nine more dollars than Gallo. Well, but Harper's also going in the first round. Right, but that's the that's the other part about Gallo is yeah, I don't feel like I have to. He, he'll come the cheapest of all these guys, but paying a Top sixty, top seventy-five, top yeah. That that is that's paying a heavy be, tax. Would you be okay paying a his current ADP right now? He's gone in uh, eight of the nine drafts. Uh, is ninety-six point four? You okay paying just? I think he's the top one hundred player. Yes. So, okay. I am so. I am fine with that. I am not fine. I'm like towards the back end, like ninety, yeah, nine around ninety. Yes. Uh, but when I saw fifty, I was like, wow. Uh, but I would I would take him in like eighty-five to hundred range. And I think I just because too, he's the cheapest, because all those other guys would be gone. Everybody else, the other 14 guys I named on that list are all going to be gone. Yeah, and I, I'm with you on that. I'm pretty sure, I, or I know I took him in one of the leagues uh, that I'm doing the drafting for. I want to say I took him in 89 in League 5. Uh, so, uh, uh, and I'm fine with that. But again, he fits into a guy that, you know, or he fits into my kind of strategy of guys that I tend to go after. Uh, and I build my team around guys like that. So you obviously can't afford to take a Joey Gallo if you're not taking some sort of batting average, uh, you know, supplementer uh, somewhere within the draft. So, uh, you know, it's something you got to plan for, but I don't mind the, I don't mind necessarily where he's going in terms of his ADP. Um, and obviously in on-base percentage leagues, he gets a nice little boost. Uh, even even though his uh, his walk percentage is down a tad bit this year, I mean he is he's got the cheapest by far. I mean when we look at I mentioned the four dollar difference. You know I'm looking at this. <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, Hoskins ADP is 42 on this, and you said Gallo was 89, 90. Yeah, right. 94. And so everybody else: Stanton, Goldschmidt, Harper, Arenado, Bregman, Davis, Machado, Story. Yelich, Baez, Lindor, Ramirez, Martinez, every single one of those guys has gone by 50. Now, maybe the guy who took him 58 had a very light lineup and was like, oh, dude, I need power. He's clearly the best option at the next tier if you're looking for run producers. Well, there's, I- there's value there, but it's it really at it all the batting. I don't know. I don't think the batting average could get any worse than it currently is. Um, but I think, you know, we're looking at two consecutive years and, and a thousand plate appearances of a guy hitting 210. Yeah. And I mean, I think also part of what may have played into it is first base is ugly. It's really ugly for next season. Um, and so I think we may see guys like Gallo get pushed up maybe a little bit higher than we expect just because there is going to be a huge drop off at the position 
um, after kind of the, the top tier, a couple top tiers go. Uh, and you don't want to be stuck with the Carlos Santana's of the world. I mean, we are, we're nearly, I mean, for him, we're 1,236 plate appearances into a major league career with a 205 batting average and a 38% strikeout rate and a 14% walk. I mean, it's, it's Adam Dunn recreated. Yeah. With, with not, with not a slow. He's, he's not the lumbering Adam Dunn, but that is that's Adam Dunn. That's where, that's where we are with him. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Jason, what do you got going on? But one more point. Even the, even Adam Dunn hit 245 back in back when we loved Adam Dunn. He was putting up 40 home run seasons, 266, 247, 234, 264, 236. But back then, 245 wasn't uh, wasn't as uh, palatable as it is today. But even 260 in his latest 2010. I, I mean, even in 2013, his penultimate season, he hit 219 in 2013. But yeah, it's just like we. You can't that two ten. He's got to hit. He's got to hit forty five home runs. He's got to drive in one hundred and ten to to offset the drag on the batting average. He's hitting forty points below the league average. Yeah, no, I I, I hear you, but it's I think it's something you can deal with as long as you plan for it in draft. Like yeah. you, you know, you 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 can't you can't draft him and then draft. Uh, you know, obviously Billy Hamilton seems to seems like he's going to be going lower. But yeah, you can't draft him and then go draft Billy Hamilton. That won't work. That'll destroy your team, um, you know, in the batting average department. But if you go and get, uh, I don't know who, who who's a good, you know, if you drafted Jose Altuve, you know, in the second round, then you're you're coming up in what the you know seventh round or the. Sixth or if you want to punt batting average, just draft Billy Hamilton and Joey Gallo together and be like. <laughs> Going for it. That's like, that's like the one thing you don't do, and you like because people all the time are like, "Oh, you punt batting average." That mean you like you're gonna put like Billy Hamilton and and Joey Gallo together? No, because then I definitely will be finishing lasting batting average. The idea is to devalue it so that way the you know maybe uh, maybe a guy like Gallo hits two forty five, and then it's like all of a sudden uh, my guy you know my middling batting average that I was punting actually gets me up in the top you know third of it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, people all the time like, well, just, you know, draft all the bad betting average guys and just, you know, I don't want, I don't, not trying to take a zero in it. That's true. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) All right. That's going to wrap us up. Jason, what do you got going on for this, uh, this week? Uh, believe it or not, home all week. Um, and yeah, no, right. Home all week. Well, that, that, that's a nice, so uh, watching, hopefully watching Snell go for win number 21 today. And then, uh, win number 22 is that, I mean, like. Like I, you know, I I wish I'd gotten more shares of Snell, um, and it's uh, it's been really fun to watch him. But I mean, he is is he going to win the AL Cy Young? I think I think he does. Much like the way Porcello won it over over Verlander, I think he's going to. I think he's going to win enough second and third place votes to get it because I talk about him chasing his twenty first and twenty second win. I don't care about wins, but Cy Young voters do, uh, and if they proved it with Porcello that one year. I mean, they they care about wins, um, and it's still going to be a number of years until voters shift their the way they vote on things based on the advanced metrics. Like, I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind losing uh, if, if he loses to Justin Verlander. I think Verlander's had a great season. Uh, when you look at all the different factors, Justin Verlander is just as deserving of the saying this year as he was in 2016. 
what I don't want to see is Chris Sale winning it because he pitches for the first place Boston. You look at the strength of schedule that Sales faced, it's a joke. He hasn't faced a he hasn't faced a club with a winning winning percentage since June. Since he beat the Yankees on June 30th. That is the last team he will have faced that came into that game with a winning record. I don't think Sale's gonna win it. Uh, you know, something I kind of mentioned uh, on the last podcast with Paul, but when we were talking about uh, I can't remember what what we were talking or which award we were talking about, but Mike Petriello on the Statcast podcast says he doesn't think Sale will win because he won't uh, have a qualified season more than likely. Yeah, he's got to have 162 innings pitched, and, um, and he says a lot of the voters sort by you know sort by the leaderboard when they're making their votes, and they'll forget to put Sale on their ballot because he's not. Or if you go it. back uh, like the the year that when Verlander didn't win it because two guys didn't even put him in their top five. Oh, that was such a you know. Travesty. It's it's one where they they said they talked to different players. Uh, like one of them was one of the Rays was the Rays MLB dot com writer, and he said he just talked to different guys, and they said this and this and. A lot of it's a lot of it is subjective. Oh, it's, I've, it's I've totally talked to some of them on yeah. the field. I've talked to some of the guys on the field, and they'd be like, "Hey, what are your thoughts on this?" And they're like, "I'm hearing this from this guys." And I'm like, "Well, as you're considering that, I you should go look at this." And this was just you know five years ago. I was like, "You should go take a look at this, or go you know focus on this as you're thinking about what you want to put down in your ballot." Uh, if guys are saying one thing, that's great. But you should also validate and see how the numbers are playing out. Like Sale needs another eight and two thirds innings, and with the Red Sox, I've already clinched everything they need to clinch. Yeah, there's no you know, way maybe, he's getting that. Maybe he pitches. I don't know when the last time he uh, he pitched, but you know maybe they get him four innings here and four innings there um, because well they want they want him they want him to try to get the ERA, uh, but he you know he's at two right now. He's behind Snell in the ERA title. Um, and yeah, depending he's on only got one more start. He's got one more. Yeah, he just start pitched on for... Tuesday, uh, Friday. He yeah. pitched three and a third and did not do well. I mean, he struck out seven, but um, he's got three Baltimore and on Wednesday. Even if I mean, he's not That's going. It. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's he's not getting there. Um, so uh, I'm, you know, the only the only good thing that has come out of Rick Porcello winning that Cy Young is getting to hear Paul complain about it over and over and over again. I don't, I don't oh, feel great. like that will ever get old. It is great. So, All right, Jason, you have a great rest of your weekend, and I will talk to you next Sunday. All right, man, you too. Thanks. Want an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy baseball league? Well, look no further and download SquadQL, the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year. Download SquadQL for free for your Apple and Android devices. SquadQL recommends the best starting lineup each day based on your starters, bench players, and free agent pool. How does SquadQL actually do this? The app connects directly with your Yahoo, ESPN, and CBS leagues, pulling in your actual roster, your league scoring system. The app also provides waiver wire recommendations, daily updates to player rankings, and much more. Head to the Apple app or Google Play stores to download SquadQL, your all-in-one fantasy baseball manager. SquadQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL. 
the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by over 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android. 